Well, today we celebrate the memorial of St. Jerome. And St. Jerome was known and is known for being a Bible scholar. And he uh, lived probably around the year 350, and he died probably something like 405, 410, uh, maybe a little bit later, 415. And um, so he was, contempor- he was a contemporary contemporary with a lot of important saints, like St. Augustine, for example, with whom he exchanged letters. And uh, Pope Damasus <clears throat> commissioned Jerome to uh, translate a new Bible. What The, pr- the problem was, uh, at the time, was that there were many, many, many Latin translations of the Bible, and they were all discordant with each other, and it was a mess. And so uh, Pope Damasus said, well, Jerome, I want you to go to the Middle East, I want you to learn Hebrew, um, and I want you to translate the whole Old Testament directly from the Hebrew right into Latin, all over. And so Jerome said, okay. And so he spent basically his life doing that. He, you know, it was a long project. And he went and he, and he sat at the feet of rabbis and, and Jewish teachers and he learned Hebrew. And then he went, uh, and he did some manuscript research and found good manuscripts. And then he translated the whole Bible into Latin. It was a, it's a real under, uh, undertaking and a huge accomplishment. And uh, he did it, though, it's very interesting, though, even though St. Jerome was a Bible scholar and he had a huge devotion to the Bible, he still knew that he had to, uh, that the other major criterion of religious truth was the living authority of the church's hierarchy. And so he was actually translating the Bible at the behest of the Pope, okay? And there is uh, a letter um, that he writes that's kind of well known. Uh, to the Pope, uh, to Pope Damasus. And so Jerome right now is already in the Middle East and he's got a little conundrum. Uh, uh, it's kind of a, um, maybe a theological conundrum, I think you could say. And he writes to the Pope as the successor of Peter, someone who represents uh, Christ. And he looks for solutions to this living uh, representative. Uh, this living mediator of of God's truth. And um, the problem was at the time, the, the three most ancient apostolic sees, the, the, the Episcopal authorities that were set up by the apostles are Rome and Alexandria in Egypt and Antioch in Syria. And those are the three most important um, apostolic centers of, of authority. And um, so there was a problem because there were three claimants to the Episcopal throne of Antioch, and Jerome didn't know which one to follow. And it was kind of a difficult question. One one of the claimants was more clearly false in his theology, so he was kind of like, okay, I, I kind of know not to follow him, not to be in communion with him, but what about these other two guys? And so that's why he, wrote, he writes to, to Pope Damasus, and he says... In one of his uh, in his letter here to Pope Damasus, away with envy, away with all canvassing of the Roman power. It is but with the successor of the fisherman, okay, the successor of Peter, and and the disciple of the cross that I speak, following none in the first place but Christ. I am in communion with your blessedness, that is, with the chair of Peter. On that rock I know the church is built. Whoever shall eat the lamb outside that house is profane. If any be not with Noah in the ark, he shall perish beneath the sway of the deluge. And he goes on. But this this epistle is an example of uh, St. Jerome's understanding that his great knowledge of the Bible notwithstanding, he needed a living authority to finally solve some pretty sticky 
theological issues. And we see Jesus speaking about this in our gospel today. He says, whoever listens to you listens to me. He's speaking to the apostles. Uh, whoever rejects you rejects me. Again, he's speaking to the apostles. And the mission, uh, and he says, whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. So there's this whole issue of mission, of being sent. The Father sent the Son. The Son sends the apostles. And the apostles are on uh, mission until the end of the world. Okay? Christ says to them, right before he ascends into heaven, he says, go to all the nations and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. But wait a second, the apostles died. But there are men that they chose during their lifetime who were their co-workers, who they brought within, to, within the, the boundaries of the ministry, who would succeed them and who would carry on their mission. And that's, that's the bishops of the church. Uh, most especially the bishop of Rome, who is uh, the successor of Peter, who carries on Peter's special uh, central primal place within the, the, the governmental structure of the church. So we see that there's this whole process of mediation, of receiving truth through human beings. Why did God ordain it that way? Why did God ordain it that we would receive the truth, not just from our own personal uh, study of the Bible, but also always in conformity to this human structure, this governmental structure? Well, one reason is that it challenges our pride. Okay, and we need our pride to be challenged. And it's a, it's a means to grow in humility. Um, we, uh, you know, pride basically is, a, is an unhealthy attachment to oneself and, and love of one's own excellence or intelligence or Bible reading skill or whatever it might be. And uh, because of pride, we have the attachments to our own opinions. Okay, and so to be able to, to be required by God's order to submit our minds and our opinions to the word and the teaching of another human being is an exercise in humility. It's laying down our own attachments to our own opinions. See, there's a difference between being truly convicted in your conscience and obeying your conscience. We all have to do that. And in terms of conscience, you know, uh, blessed John Henry Newman says, I toast first to conscience and then to the Pope. You know, in, in terms of conscience, it always comes first. Okay, God is going to judge us on the basis of our conscience. So conscience has more authority than the Pope. Uh, but there's a difference between conscience and having an inordinate, unhealthy attachment to one's own opinions. Just like you might have this kind of unhealthy attachment to yourself, so also that you have an unhealthy attachment to your opinions. That's not following true conscience. That's being stubborn and obstinate and prideful. And so it's to that extent that this, this whole system of human mediation has been established in the earth. It really it humbles us, gives us an opportunity to be detached from ourselves and our own opinions and to grow in humility. I would say the second reason why God has ordained it that there would be this whole system of human mediators is, uh, is a positive one, and that is God is all about community. Okay? And so when we go to others to receive God's truth and God's grace, it's a force that binds us together and it joins us in community with one another. And so communion ultimately and, and charity as it exists within communion is the probably the more primary reason why he has ordained it that way, that we would uh, you know, go to this hierarchical structure with the Pope at the head 
to find the truth and to to listen and to hear the word of God fresh. St. Paul says that faith comes by reading. No, he says faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So there's always needs to be a living teacher and mediator of the word of God. And the hearer and the speaker are thereby drawn in communion with each other. And the entire Christian community is thereby bound together uh, in love. And together are the body of Christ uh, in the world.